If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, where you'll learn all the tips, mindset shifts, tools, and strategies to two times your sales in any niche. I'm your host, Ursula Menchus, and I can't wait to dive into today's show. We have Brian Smith, the founder of Ugg Boots Australia, with us today. And he is going to, I know, just blow our minds because whenever I'm with him, whenever I hear him speak on stage, he just always has so many gems to share. So, um, Brian, welcome to the Double Your Sales Now show. Thank you so much, Ursula. Great to be here. I always love hanging out with you. So uh, I'm going to tell everyone a little bit about you. I know Mm -hmm. some of our very loyal listeners and your fans will know about you already. But if you don't know about Brian, he is... um, He has charted his own course to become one of the great entrepreneurial successes stories of our time. In 1978, he imported six pairs of sheepskin boots from Australia with a dream to build a business where every American would eventually be wearing the product. That is how one of the world's most recognizable brands began. And the sales of Ugg Ugg products have exceeded a billion dollars in each of the past four years. And today, Brian enjoys guiding entrepreneurs and business professionals on their journey to success by sharing lessons he learned while building the UGG brand. And what's really fun, Brian, I have to say I'm wearing my UGG boots right now. Cool. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you are. today in California. Right, I have two pair. I have to. I have to brag a little bit. Um, in the last year, my husband, my sweet husband Tim, has gotten me not only the fluffy ones, but the really cool boots, the leather boots for the oh, cold winter here, which keep my feet really yeah. warm. So, I am. I am definitely um, a big fan of UGG boots and a huge fan of you. So, so let's jump into the questions. I mean, everybody who's listening to the Double Your Sales Now show, what they want to know is, you know, how did people do it? Is it possible to double your sales? And I know some of you are listening, you know, maybe you're having a great year or maybe you're, you know, struggling a little bit as this year unfolds. And I just want to say I'm with you. We've all been there. I'm sure Brian will share a few of the challenges that he faced in growing the UGG brand. And by the way, if you haven't gotten his book, Birth of a Brand, I highly recommend it. It'll change your life just to read his story and and to stay inspired. So, you know, Brian, let's just, let's talk about this. When you launched your first business or when you launched UGG Boots Australia, what limiting beliefs did you have about sales or selling? Or was it just natural for you? Oh, it was the opposite of natural. I was an accountant for 10 years, and when I graduated is the day I quit. 
Um, and I hated sales. In fact, we had some clients uh, that, that were used car sale yards that I had to go and audit. And I was in fear of the salesmen because they, they were so slick and smooth talking and <laughs> self-assured and, and, and you know, in my mind, bullshitters. And right. I really didn't like the, that group of sales. And and I, I came to America looking for a business to take back to Australia. And it, you know, it, was, it was when I found there were no sheepskin boots in America. And I knew everyone in Australia had some sort of sheepskin footwear that, that I decided to stay here and do it. But uh, when I started, I had a buddy of mine. He was going to be the salesman. I was going to be the accountant. You know, that, that's how terrified right. of sales I was. So it wasn't natural for you. It wasn't easy at all. Not at all. No, no. But eventually, my friend went on the road and, and got zero response from Southern California shoe retailers. And I realized that, you know, well, all my buddies at, you know, at the beach area know a lot about Uggs. And it, was, it struck me they were all surfers. And they had been to Australia on their surf trips and brought sheepskin boots back for their buddies. So we decided to go out on the road. And that's when I, I was forced to go and sell to these shoe retailers. And I was so timid and so so afraid walking in. And the first, you know, the first year's sales was just woeful because, you know, I was, well, you know, we, we'd bought in anticipation of, you know, of, of everybody telling us how great these were going to be when, when we did our first little foray into the surf shops, we bought 500 pairs. And then when we went back on the road, you know, I, I had all the product and uh, started going to the very same shops who told us we were going to be hugely successful. And when I tried to sell them, they were going, oh, no, we couldn't sell them here. We just sell surfboards and surf trunks and stuff. And the sales for the first season was, you know, 28 pairs. We bought 500 pairs for all this demand and we actually sold 28 pairs. And that sort of reaffirmed my fear of selling. Wow. I'm curious because we haven't actually talked about this specifically, but how many, how many rejections do you think you got in that sales process? Oh, well, there are probably 150 stores that I'd been to that all said that it was a fantastic idea and they knew about Uggs. But when I went back to sell them uh, with with product, like the first time I didn't even have an order pad, we didn't have any inventory. So, so in my mind, well, what's the point of asking? But when we went back with the inventory, that's when they all said, well, no, you know, it's a great idea. We love the product, but we couldn't sell them out of our store. I would say 150 uh, rejections out of 160 stores. Wow. (laughs) I just want to make sure everyone who's listening heard that because that's unbelievable. And so I'm curious, in those moments, what made you keep going? Because I imagine you wanted to give up. Well, that would have been a perfect time to give up. But the trouble is I had 480 pairs of boots in my, you know, third bedroom and uh, I had an investor who put up the money for that so I couldn't sort of walk out and leave him stranded. So I started – uh, selling out of the back of my van at Malibu when I used to go surfing. I had a full you know, range of product in the van and I developed a pretty good business and bit by bit, the word of mouth was so powerful that because everybody bought a pair of boots, just raved to their friends and people were coming up and, and I started to really enjoy the interaction 
uh, of selling because I knew I was giving a valuable product or a valuable service to these people. And so my reaction changed quite a bit. You know, when, when I originally thought of salespeople, it was, you know, take, take, take. How can I get, you know, I, I remember at the car yard, you know, that they would have jokes about the customers coming in about how weak they were and how they were going to sell them. And, I, and it, to me, it was a ruthless process. But I finally realized that, that uh, if you have a good product and you have, or, you know, or a service and you're doing something good for your customer, it's actually a pleasure to sell. <laughs> it's the opposite of taking. It's, it's total giving. So beautiful. And I know we're going to get into that a little bit more in a bit, but, you know, so true. I mean, when you connect with those perfect customers, those perfect clients, they are so grateful. And at the Quantum Sales Summit, you know, which when you spoke at the Quantum Sales Summit, we had our panelists up there. And they kept saying that over and over again, that what surprised them the most is how grateful their prospects were that they actually followed up with them because they wanted what they have. So it's a great reminder too. And I, I love how you said it's, you know, it's really about serving them and realizing you have something of value to offer. So yes. Brian, think back. When did you double your sales for the first time? And was there a specific moment that you remember or just a surge in sales that you remember that was just so monumental and it kind of gave you that strength to keep going? Sure. Well, it was pretty easy to double 28 pairs in the next season. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, just selling out of the back of my van was, you know, I, I think I did about $5,000 in, in the next season. And, and so I decided to start advertising and I you had these really good looking models, posed them on the beach and ran the ads and the sales for the next season went to about 10000 But it, was, it wasn't, you know, I was thinking it should have been much, much more. Um, so even though I doubled sales, I wasn't really happy with that. And so the next season, I I uh, got better looking models and a more expensive photographer, and and ran the ads, and it went to about fifteen thousand. And and again, I was really disappointed. And it was in the third year, I was I was talking to a buddy of mine who owned a surf shop, and explaining this dilemma. And he said, "Just hey, Brian, let me." Check. He called out the back of the room to all these little kids you know, who used to hang out in the surf shop and he said, hey, you guys, what do you think of Uggs? And they all came up to the front saying, oh, those Uggs, man, they're so fake. Have you seen the ads? Those models, they can't surf. And mm. instantly I knew I was sending the wrong image to my target market and it wasn't credible and these kids just instinctively knew it. And within a couple of weeks, I'd, I'd hired a couple of young pro surfers and I started photographing them on the, on the way to the beach and on the way back from the beach and just really casual shots. And I started running those ads and the sales went to like $200,000. So it all came down to creating the right image that my target market could see as, as a credible and a valuable um, experience for them. Every little kid who read Surfer Magazine just would die to be in the photograph with these young pro surfers that I had. And the, mm. the walks, you know, I photographed Black's Beach in La Jolla and, and uh, Trestles, which is in San Clemente. And they, these are iconic walks. And so all these kids who surf all across the country would die to be there. So the, the point is, 
I was able to connect with my target market through the imagery. And it's so common for people, you know, especially people starting out, they have a widget and they want to just show the widget. Like those first ads I ran on the beach um, with the models, it was all about the product. You know, everything, the, the product was front and center in the ad. And when I ran the ads with my young pro surfers, you could hardly tell what they had on their feet. That you know, they, they were so small. Um, but it didn't matter because the image was right. So if if you have a, a product uh, or a service, let, let's say it was you have a, a new software program that saves time for people, you don't advertise the product or the you know, but you advertise the benefits. And the way you do that is have a photograph of some guy drinking a Mai Tai in Hawaii on because he's over there because of all the time you've saved him. And so you have to be, be able to get emotional to, to uh, advertise the benefits of what you're selling rather than the actual product itself. Great points. We actually, we forget that. And, you know, it's a clear and amazing example of how people then were able to connect with the Ugg boots. You figured out what they wanted, but the, you said something really important, which is, you were clear on who your target market was, even if the branding and the marketing didn't connect right away, you were clear. And so many, and I'm sure you experience this as well with the entrepreneurs you work with, but what advice do you have for someone who might be struggling just to find their target market right now? Any advice there? Yes. There are lots of consultants out there now who, who, you know, it's called this data mining, you know, industry, and they have the ability to, to, drill in and find the target market that you're looking for. Now, part of that comes back to them asking the right questions about who you think your target market is. Um, I think anyone who's got a new product or a new service is doing it because they've had a problem with or they see a need in the marketplace or they've had a personal problem that they're trying to fix that they think will be a big seller. And so they already have an idea of who their target market is, but you, you know, it's for instance, you know, I, I'm launching a new program on how to help people start up their businesses and, and, and keep faith through the hard times. And I've had to do a lot of soul searching as to who my target market is. But there are people who uh, are experts in either Facebook or Amazon selling that can help you to, to drill in and target really who your market is. And it may not be exactly right the first time, but they have the ability to test and test and test and drill in until you finally get some success. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process of, uh, you know, trial and error. <laughs> right. And, and it changes over time, especially, you know, when you're if you're in a training or education business, your clients might evolve, they're going to want more from you. And it's so it's staying on top of that. But I think it, that's great advice on, you know, finding people who can help you in no matter what you're doing, because there's people out there who can help you shortcut, which in the end, even if you have make an investment, it's going to save you time. Yeah, and money. So, the secret. Yeah. Right. So, Brian, let's go back to talking about, you know, doubling your sales and your beliefs around that. But yes. what, what is that number one limiting belief that you changed that helped helped lead you to the sales success that you have today? 
without a doubt, it was it was changing my attitude towards uh, sales in general. I used to go out like I was so timid when I started because I was so afraid of selling. I, I was embarrassed about the product. I mean, trying to sell sheepskin in California is not a natural thing. So I was embarrassed when I would wheel my booth into trade shows and stuff. Uh, and it was when I was in a surf shop one time and I was adjusted like the owner wasn't even there, but I all the product was on the shelves and it was all jumbled around, so I rearranged it and got it all orderly. And and uh, you know, I, was, I was swapping out big sizes that weren't selling for you know, medium sizes that were and making sure the colors were right. And, and I realized I was doing all this like I owned that little bit of real estate in the store, you know, on the, sh- on the shelf with all the sheepskin boots. And then I started thinking, you know, God, this retailer has bought $80,000 worth of product from me at wholesale. That means he sold it for about $160,000, $170,000. Wow, he just made $80,000 this season because of me. And when I – that was like a revelation – and I went, geez, I wonder how many other retailers. And I started thinking of all of the retailers that I had and how much mm-hmm. money I was making for them just by being available to have sheepskin boots for them. And then I realized, man, I'm really a partner with these people. And so it, it then, and this is to answer your question, how did I double my corporate sales? When I realized how much benefit I was giving to these retailers, it was so much easier for me to bring on new retailers because I could tell them stories about how they were going to make money from me, not how I was going to take money from them, but how they could make money from me. And when I figured that out, the sales process became an almost you know, you're crazy if you don't take these boots because you're going to miss out on all this money. I mean, the, the, the whole message changed. And that way I was able to double the customer base. And in many cases, I was able to double the volume of stores in my existing clients. So it's it's it takes a little bit of a, an effort to get the momentum going. But once you can get some success behind you, it then becomes very, very easy to to double your sales. So if you're in the cold calling business, those first 20 calls are just miserable. But if you pick up two or three accounts, then the next 20 is much better because you got some aspirations and then the next 20 will get better. And so that's how you keep doubling sales is by the persistence of keeping out there and doing it. So what did you believe after that? If you could put it into one sentence, one belief after you really got, oh my gosh, I'm making them so much money. Now I know how to pitch this. I know what to say. What did you believe about selling then in one sentence? Selling became a partnership with my potential existing customers and potential customers. And therefore, it was a very easy and friendly and rewarding process. Awesome. And I, I know people are taking notes as they're listening. So if you have your pen and your paper out, get ready, because I'm going to ask Brian a question I'm really curious about. And you've, you've kind of shared this in different ways already. But if you could pinpoint the two strategies that you use to double your sales, what would those be? Uh, the first one was making sure I connected with my target market. In other words, my brochures, the advertising, 
all of the marketing materials, the product itself had to be exactly what my target market wanted. And that was a process because in the beginning, everybody saw these ugly sheepskin boots, which were totally unfashionable and unpractical. But for instance, in, in Minnesota, where I know you are, Nobody read a surfer magazine or a ski magazine, but they all played hockey, all the kids. So right. I, I developed a hockey advertising campaign and got you know, young pro hockey players involved. And, and so that, that was a market that took me forever to get into uh, because, in, you know, Minnesota and all the way back to New York, it was, well, we have mud and we have slush and those boots are never going to work in our area. But by targeting in through the through the hockey market, all the moms have to sit in the rinks, so they would buy them for themselves and they'd buy them for the kids. And be, before you know it, they're walking around in the mud and the slush, and they're perfectly fine. And so <laughs> it was it was a you know was, that was a process there. So getting in touch with the target market was one. The second one was just making sure that that I could bring on new retailers with a level of comfort based around, on success of other people in the business, that they had a level of comfort that they were going to succeed. And I always sold them very small amounts at first because I never, ever wanted them to be stuck in February, March, April with boots on the shelf because the last thing they want to look at is sheepskin all summer. So I wanted to try and make sure that I, I, I didn't oversell them. Uh, but would give them a small inventory to start out and let them reorder. And that reordering set a mindset to them going, oh, my God, I need more. Oh, my God, I need more. And it really had a big effect on the the longevity and the loyalty of my customer base. Excellent. So really, again, focusing in on target market, but also developing that plan with your new retailer. So you so you knew where you were going and how best to support them, especially with their sales and making sure they sold out at the right times. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know that straight off. It took a, a you know it took a lot of trial and error to get there, but that that was really the ultimate strategy was to to help them make money. <laughs> what a concept, right? Like when we be, when we help our clients get what they want, we get what we want, right? Zig Ziglar yeah, said that. Yeah, and advice. So we know you're an expert in business strategy, development, branding, and so many other things. And I want to I want to give you the show for a little bit. I want you to share with us what are your top two to three business strategies that could really help our listeners who are looking to take their business to the next level this year. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to assume that a lot of your listeners are relatively new to their business. And when I say that, I mean you know, the first couple of years. There are a couple of themes that I've developed, which is the book that I wrote, The Birth of a Brand, is the theme of it is you can't give birth to adults. And every business idea, every you know restaurant, every um, you know software product, every religion starts with someone conceiving it and then they take the first action that's the birth <clears throat> so for instance the birth of ug was me buying six pairs of samples that that was my first action and then you find the business just lies there just like an infant it it lies there and it lies there you've got to keep feeding it you've got to keep changing the diapers every now and again you'll get a giggle but generally it just lies there and, and there's no amount of overfeeding or urging or pleading with it it cannot get up and go to college it has to be an infant but then it'll start to toddle which is when your business is starting to move some product you're getting first 
users and uh, people are writing articles about you. That's pretty cool. And that goes very quickly into the youth where you've got a, an established set of customers <coughs> that's hopefully growing and the production's great, the shipping and uh, you know billing is great, the inventory control is great. That, that's a, the best phase for every business. And you, can grow, you can grow a really big business, you know, 20 million bucks in that phase. But if it's a really killer idea or a killer product like Agua's, it'll hit the teenage phase and then it's like super dangerous because you want to be everywhere at once, just like as a teenager, you want to be at all the parties in town. And mm -hmm. it's super dangerous, but then it ultimately becomes a mature company when the, you know, the, the accountants put all the controls in and stuff. So that is the phase of every business doesn't matter it you know, doesn't matter if it's a, a billion dollar business like ug it went through all of those phases just like every other business on the stock exchange but the other thing that i i uh like to leave people with uh who are starting out number one from the story i just told if you're in that infancy heading into toddling hang in there because it's it's a natural part that's where most entrepreneurs want to give up but it's the mm -hmm. most natural part of, of evolving a, a fully grown thing. Second point is that I have a statement. You know, my book's very philosophical. I've got a lot of you know stuff I learned from the, all the hard knocks that I had. And the greatest statement is that your most disappointing disappointments will nearly always become your greatest blessings. And you may recall at the seminar I asked – all the attendees, you know, put your hand up if in the last 12 months you've had something really horrible happen. You thought it was the end of the business at the time, but now yeah. you look you look back and think that that was a good thing. And and like 90% of the hands went up in the room. That and that happens every single time. So if ever you get hit with a disaster, you know, a partner leaves you, or a big supplier goes with a competitor, or whatever, just Instead of feeling sorry for yourself and 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 you know whining and moaning about it, think to yourself, okay, that's good. Now, what's good about it? And it's uncanny that within a couple of days, you will have thought around the process. Like every good entrepreneur has to learn how to pivot, and it's uncanny that in a couple of days you found a solution. You think, oh my god, this is going to be even better than before. And, and, and it just happens over and over and over again through the life of every business. So just remember, your most disappointing disappointments will always become your greatest blessings. Phenomenal. And isn't that the truth? You know, as you were saying that, I was just thinking back of so many things that have happened in the business where, in my business, where I, I was like, why am I doing this? And then the next day, something would happen or I would talk to a client who said, oh, you changed my life or I doubled my sales or this is how it impacted my family yeah. and this is yeah. why it's better. And you, and you remember. And by the way, I was chatting with a client yesterday and she said one of the things that resonated with her most from the conference is when you used the word pivot and you just used it again. She said, I've been doing that and she's growing, she's growing really fast. She's probably now, she's quadrupled her sales in a year and continue to grow really fast. And she's taken all of her contract employees and brought them on as as employees. And so like so much has happened. And, and yet she said, every time I feel stuck, I pivot. And so I want to thank you for, for well, sharing. I, 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 just your story. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. If I can touch, if I can touch one person in a conference, I, I believe I'm a success. You know, that's thanks for telling me that. 
Yeah, well, it wasn't just one, but that was a story I heard yesterday. So people are still talking about it. But for those of you who are listening, I mean, Brian's advice and just, you know, not giving up and recognizing that, you know, what seems like a setback could be your biggest blessing and pivoting when you need to, that'll keep you going. It'll keep you going through the tough times so that you can grow that little beautiful infant into that adult, send them to Harvard or wherever you want them to go. So, so Brian, I, I know our listeners are going to want more of you and I know there's several ways that they um, can connect with you and get more and get your book and your products and services. So please, please tell everyone how, um, how to connect with you and how to get more. Sure. Okay. Well, the book, first of all, is is called The Birth of a Brand, and it's like a roadmap for every entrepreneur because it, it starts with the beginning of ARG all the way through for 17 years till I sold the company and all the ups and downs, which every entrepreneur is going to go through. So it just gives you a heads up. Um, and you can get that on Amazon or on my website, which is briansmithspeaker.com. It's B-R-I-A-N smithspeaker.com and you can download the first chapter for free there you can see some videos that I've produced and uh, I've also just this week launched a course on on how to start a business and uh, you'll be able to find that by going to Brian Smith speaker forward slash course c-o-u-r-s-e and you know that's a a, a resource that uh, will help with a series of videos and little worksheets on just maintaining it's stuff what i call boots on the ground business tips because you're never going to learn these things in college or you know business school these are stuff that i've learned from just hard knocks on the on the road and uh, but yeah if, if if uh you just go to that website there's a, a whole resource there for you so thanks for letting me advertise that Ursula. Yeah, my pleasure. So briansmithspeaker.com. And then you said briansmithspeaker, is it .com forward slash course? Yes, .com forward slash course. Perfect. So if you want to grow your business and definitely, definitely get the birth of a brand, go to his website, get his first chapter. Everyone who meets Brian loves him. And I just have to say this, Brian, Brian, you know, spoke at the Quantum Sales Summit and he was there until the last person was there um, getting and receiving, giving and receiving hugs and taking pictures. And I, I can think of another particular client who has a she's grown a million dollar business and you probably know who I'm talking about. And she got to chat with you at the very end. And I saw her after that. And she just said she just said it was exactly what she needed just to talk to you, just to keep going. Because to grow a million dollar business in a year is a pretty crazy feat. And she needed some support. Because being in that position, you can feel very, very alone. Isolated, yeah. It's it's very tough. Yeah, well, thanks for telling me that too. Uh, This is great. uh, That's why I do it. I love helping entrepreneurs because I just see how much it changes their lives. So before we wrap up, I want to give you one more opportunity to do that. So what do you want to leave everybody with? Uh, just the fact that being an entrepreneur is, is scary, it's risky, uh, but it's the most rewarding life you can have um, because even even though business is business and you've got to pay your rent, life is more about living and loving and having friends and, and to just remember that business is just a means to an end of staying alive. Uh, you know, hopefully, you'll, you'll get more money to give you a, a better life, but the real Life is is just friends, family, traveling, you know, exploring the world, growing, 
raising kids. That's the real world. Uh, don't don't think that your failure or your success in your business is going to determine who you are. It's so true. It's so true. And you know, business gives us the opportunity to meet people to make our lives better and to become friends and who also become mentors. So Brian, thank you for being part of my life and being part of my clients' lives. You've made a difference in ways that you'll probably never hear. Um, but hopefully we'll share as many of those stories as we can. So thank you so much for being here today. Fantastic. It was my pleasure. And thanks, everyone, for listening. A couple notes before we sign off. We have our our next sales camp here this month is sold out, but March is available. And we have another one in June here in Minnesota. We have some coming up in New Mexico. um, And we have a request now in Northern California. So we're trying to get to as many people as possible. If your sales team would like a private sales camp, please reach out to me directly at Ursula at salescoachnow.com. And that's U-R-S-U-L-A at salescoachnow.com. If you're new to us, we have you can go to our website to get a free gift. We have Sales Secrets of the Top 10%. It's a free video series. It's a $497 value and it's our gift to you. So please definitely take advantage of that. I want to thank you all for being part of our Sales Coach Now extended family. And if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know and make 2017 your most epic year yet. Thank you for listening to Double Your Sales. To get even more information to take your sales to the next level, visit us at salescoachnow.com. That's salescoachnow.com. Join us again next week to learn how to double your sales.